Welcome to the first episode of the Travis Do For Show. Episode one being from fandom to backyard wrestling. We are here to talk about it. Introducing my co-host, Mike Yatsko. What's going on, man? How's it going? Dude, welcome in. <laughs> Can't believe we're finally doing this. The, I mean, it's been a long time coming. And uh, you promised me uh, earlier today that you were going to do a different intro. <laughs> Diggy Daddy, is that better? Yeah, there you go. We're in it. <laughs> so, Travis Dufour Show, episode one. Uh, this is a 12-episode series airing on uh, twitch.tv slash the Dufour brand. And, uh, yeah, so this is going to be a 12-episode thing. We're going to see how it goes. And, and listener discretion is advised. It is. It is. Listener discretion is advised. But you can hear me okay, right, me? man? Yo, yeah, yeah. I hear you perfect. Uh, just can't hear myself at all, but that's okay. A little issue on my end that it didn't happen right beforehand, but I'm good now. I'm good now. I can hear myself. Man, it had to start somewhere. It had to start somehow. Dude, it's been 10 plus years. Well, no, what I'm saying is uh, uh, what age were you, do you think, uh, whenever you first really got the concept of pro wrestling? Pro wrestling? Um, I mean, I, I got started much later than a lot of the people that I know. A lot of my friends, um, I didn't get started till right after the attitude era ended. So, you know, stone cold, the rock, all those guys were pretty much finished up by the time I was getting into it, or they were on their way out at the very least. Uh, Brock Lesnar was making his debut. It, so I was, I just caught it right as it was still WWF, but they were just about to, you know, get the F out. Yeah. I'm not a big stickler on eras. You know, I don't hold a certain era above another one you know i i uh well, everyone loves the attitude era that's why i was oh for sure and you know and being a huge raving fan during the attitude era uh and being a young being at a young age was great like 80s 90s the, the 2000s wrestling you know i'm not so much of a fan of the last 10 years or so um i really stopped watching wrestling <laughs> but uh yeah i mean there's multiple eras of wrestling that are highly watchable i happened to grow up in the 90s i grew up in the 90s too we both did but we you just watched wrestling much earlier than i did well so yep. when did you get started when did you first how did you first learn about wrestling who was on the tv at that time what was going on well i had to have been about three or four years old and um, my dad he had a habit of putting wrestling on the tv as much as possible around his boys i had, grew up with an older brother and um, he just always made sure wrestling was on. And finally, it, it caught my eye. On the television screen, there was nails uh, walking down to the ring. And, and does now, you being uh, kind of like a historian to pro wrestling now, you know, knowing more about the old days, do you remember nails? I know of nails. I don't really remember him. Like, I never seen, I've never seen a nails match. <laughs> okay. But I know, but I know who he is when you're talking about him. I, I think that most people haven't seen a um, a nails. He match. was a large guy. He was a, a uh, overweight wrestler, Gi right? Giant, giant. I, I I wouldn't say that he was an overweight guy, but he was kind of like an Undertaker, like a super tall guy. Then I'm thinking of somebody entirely different. I don't know who I'm thinking of, but I mean, this guy was in a prison jumpsuit. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was about to say that would probably ring a bell better than anything when it comes to nails. Uh, but he was taking on the Undertaker. So it was 1994, and The Undertaker, um, I guess he debuted in, what, 1990? Yeah, around there. 
So I got to see the 1994 version of The Undertaker, and that version sucked me in, man. I, I, I couldn't believe there was a dead guy in the ring. Now, as a as a young kid, did you buy into it? Did you actually think this guy was dead? Oh, all day. All day. Definitely scared me. I was, you know, four, four years old, very gullible kid. <laughs> and around this time, too, uh, we were, the video games were hot in 1994, uh, if you had a Super Nintendo or anything like that. So we were going to the Blockbuster, and uh, which I'm, I'm not sure if it was a Blockbuster, but one of those, like, uh, you know, mom and pop video stores that you get the, the VHS tapes from. Well, this place had uh, video games, too. And I remember getting the old um, WrestleMania game on the Super Nintendo and just playing the hell out of that with my older brother. Did you play a lot of those games? I played uh, my first exposure to like video games was uh, Super Nintendo and Sega. Like those were my first. Uh, well, I guess we played Atari, too, but that was my mom's uh, game or whatever. So we played a little bit of Atari, like the Pong, you know, of course, a classic. But uh, Super Nintendo, like with Donkey Kong and all those, that's when we really got into it. Super Mario Bros. The first Christmas I really remember, uh, we got a Super Nintendo that year. And I remember Super Mario World blowing my mind. It was huge. I and loved all of them, all, all the ones. they Up until they up until like the GameCube version, I wasn't really... That's when I kind of lost interest. In no, I've, I've actually recently gotten back into Mario. But uh, that, you know, that just comes along with having a four-year-old. Essentially, that's how it started. Nails versus The Undertaker. After that, it was... It was game on, man. I was playing the video games. I was, uh, you know, me and my older brother, we, we thought it was cool that, um, you know, we would play Russell and he would be Bret Hart and I would be Owen Hart, you know, the older brother versus the little brother mentality. So those matches, the Bret Hart versus Owen Hart matches really sucked me in. Did it, now, have you seen a lot of um, Owen Hart stuff? Uh, I, I've seen, uh, the only thing I've really seen of his, unfortunately, is um, a lot of the stuff relating to his, like, fall. Like, oh. I, I I never really watched his matches. I oh. <laughs> no, I know I didn't mean to make it all all dark. I just was really fascinated with how he died. So I remember trying to look up, not trying to be morbid, but I was trying to like find a video of it actually happening, just because that kind of stuff has always fascinated me. And oh. uh, I was never a fan, or not that I wouldn't have been a fan. I just wasn't a fan at that time, and so I've never really seen any Owen matches. Oh, man, whenever Owen died, uh, the, quick the tragedy. Time. Yeah, the tragedy of how it all went down, though, just like is so heartbreaking quick sidebar i was i remember playing uh little league and i was on my way um to practice i made it to practice and all of the other kids on the baseball team they knew i was like this hardcore wrestling fan and everybody got really quiet whenever i showed up on the baseball field that day and like the coach had to pull me off to the side and be like you know because i think i was like eight or nine Whenever that happened. No, I mean, I had to been a little bit older than that. But um, but yeah, dude, Owen Hart, um, he was my favorite whenever I was a little kid. He was my first favorite wrestler. Really? Oh, so it, wasn't, oh. it wasn't nails, nails wasn't your inspiration. <sighs> nails, uh that I mean, there's a reason why that guy didn't do much after nails. <laughs> And there's a reason why the Undertaker did. <laughs> so you were watching this nails and undertaker match and like, tell, tell me what's going through your head. Like, you know, you're seeing this guy, The Undertaker. Is he a scary dude? And also, tell me a little bit about, like, the dynamic with your dad. Because you said he got you into wrestling. So was he a wrestling fan first? Or, or how would, how did that work? I would say so. Yeah, he was really big in, like, Razor Ramon. And uh, I remember him being a big Razor Ramon fan, uh, which was 
kind of eerie because whenever I was really little, I looked at my dad one time and I was like, damn, is this, is that Razor Ramon? And I thought, <laughs> I thought for a very short period of time that my dad was Razor Ramon. He could but, have been. Uh, what's that? Guy? He could have been maybe. Uh, my dad was uh, a pretty in shape guy. He was a Marine or, or as they would say, is a Marine. You know, the, you should never tell a Marine that they was a Marine because they'll correct you so fast. But uh, yeah, my dad was, uh, you know. So in, was he more strict because of that, because of his uh, military status or? N- not at all. Not at all. He no. was a hippie. Um, he got to be a teenager in the late 60s, early 70s, and he really partied it up. And there's a big section later on in the show about my dad. Uh, what I will say about him at this period is that uh, everything was was great? Uh, he, good. yeah, on the he he made it a point to go and get us the wrestling tapes, you know, the old Royal Rumbles, the old WrestleManias, because he knew uh, he could tell at a young age that it was striking a fire in me. So, is that how you were able to watch wrestling? Then it was just through the tapes mostly. Because was was there like a live wrestling show at that time? Monday Night Raw was what ninety three. Were you watching Raw then? Do you remember? What it was ninety three, right? The Raw debut. Am I remembering? I forget which year. I think Raw debuted ninety four, but um. Oh. No, yeah, it was a lot of VHS tape watching. I remember I had like Survivor Series 91 where the main event was like Hulk Hogan versus the Earthquake. And the only other tape was like a SummerSlam 90, uh, which had, um, I believe that year was the Texas Tornado versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title, which a lot of people hail as one of the greatest Intercontinental title matches of all time. I've seen that match maybe a hundred times. That's funny because my, my grandpa who's sadly no longer with us, but he, he actually, right when I started becoming a fan, he heard about it and he, he would get WrestleMania tapes. Uh, Cause we didn't really do the pay-per-views or anything early on. I would get pay-per-views like later, you know, as I grew older, but you know, he would bring back the WrestleMania tapes. So I, I remember WrestleMania 18 might've been the first tape he got me. And then it was backlash. And now these were tapes that somebody like bootlegged the pay-per-view. So the quality wasn't even that good. It was like all pixelated, but it was still just so cool to see all these like, characters that look so larger than life like i'm seeing all these characters for the first time like hulk hogan and and all these guys scott hall and steve austin and it just the big big thing about those tapes though is the crowd reaction oh yeah yeah it just it was it was i loved it i mean the quality might not have been great but i have fond memories of watching wrestling on videotapes yeah if you watch wrestling now you don't really see them pan to the crowd too often (laughs) as compared to how they used to do in the 80s and 90s (laughs) and going back to what you're saying about i don't know if you said blockbuster or what have you but i loved going and renting wrestling biographies uh do videotapes are so cool i'm so so upset that that stuff doesn't really exist anymore where you can't go rent stuff now it's all digital but we used to go through the aisle and and see what the latest wrestling pay-per-view or biography was and it that was just a fun experience you know in and of itself oh without a doubt without a doubt it was the i mean growing up as a wrestling fan in the early 90s was was the best without a doubt moving on i did want to make sure that we we got to talk about the wrestling figures man i grew up owning so many of these figures and too, bro uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's etched in my fabric of my being. You, did you have your own figure fed? Absolutely. Did you have a custom name for yours? I don't think I ever, if I did, I don't remember, but I, no, I don't think I did. I probably I did, but I don't remember. You didn't either. Uh, my, my figure fed was called the WWF. But I, oh yeah, well, mine was just the WWF too at the time, but uh, 
I had like the ring and like a little entrance and like a bunch of wrestlers. Like I, I went all in on it. I mean, I got so serious at one point that uh, my older brother got out of wrestling, got out of the figures and all that. And he gave me what he had left. And it was a WCW ring. It was, you know, and WCW, say what you want about the company. Actually, on second thought, that ring was very poorly made. It was a shitty fucking ring for uh, for a, a, a wrestling figure fed. <laughs> The WWF put out way better toy rings. Yeah, man, I had WWF shows and WCW shows. I was constantly playing with these figures. Yeah, the, and I was just even, you know, a little sidetrack. I was just at the uh, Target, and they have so much cooler toys now. Like, they're so realistic looking, and I just wish I, I hate, was a kid No, now. I hate them now. Oh, really? Why? What's, what do you see? It's something about the design. My favorite version of figure is probably during the Ruthless Aggression. The bodies were a little more bloated up and everything, and they were just better figures. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. A taller. But yeah, let's go back to your figure fed as a, as a young young kid. Well, it just it really meant a lot to me because at one point, it was my birthday, and I grew up severely poor. My parents got a divorce whenever I was uh, six, about six, seven years old. And I went off with my mom with just me and my brother. She worked at a convenience store to, to provide for us. So she didn't make that much money. If you could imagine that, Michael. So not very much too either. When I was growing up, my mom hey, did the best she could. She was single, you know, at, oftentimes and did the best she could, but growing up poor is great. It really shapes you. <laughs> I don't know if you're joking or not, but I actually think it does shape you. No, nah, no, nah, I, uh, I, I don't take, things for granted really um i appreciate things a little bit more now in my you know i'm 33 years old you know i got a little bit of money these days and it's kind of nice because i grew up poor brother for all these viewers at home show a picture of me as a young lad and guys this is another reason why you should be going to twitch.tv slash the do for brand here we got your first photo this is actually the one that you were talking about when you were watching nails versus the undertaker correct Yes, it's from the same period. I'm about about four or five years old in that picture. And so that's your brother? Yeah, yeah, that's my older brother, Julian. And then, of course, uh, a little puppy. Uh, whenever I was a kid, I always wanted my older brother to get into wrestling, and I especially, my wanting him to become a pro wrestler grew as years went by because, I mean, he was a great athlete always excelled at baseball and he turned into a football player in high school and he just had different genetics than me he was just a bigger guy than i was and whenever i was uh really little i ever since then until yeah you know until i became a wrestler i always wanted my older brother to get to get into the wrestling business because you know i grew up with the guy and i could see his passion for pro wrestling when is that we him were, again yeah yep we had to beg for food uh, you have to beg for food. We really Come did. Um, he actually has some leftover dog food on his face in that picture. So it, it was great. Who's this uh, guy. Yeah, no, that's that's me. Yeah. What grade would you have been in here? I don't think I was in school yet. I think I was about four or five years old. You look scared there. Nervous. I uh, spent a lot of time as a child scared. No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro wrestling uh, was such a blessing to me in my childhood. It was the focal point of my, it was the only way I could make friends. That was like my opening line to other kids in class. I just walk up to them and like, Hey, do you like wrestling? And nine times out of 10 guys, it was the nineties wrestling was red hot nine times out of 10. They were saying yes. 
Everybody was wearing WWF shirts. Everybody was watching it. So it, it was incredibly popular. Yeah, man, about about third grade out on the schoolyard. A couple of the other kids who told me that they liked pro wrestling, the WWF specifically, because we would pick fights with the kids who liked WCW. I just asked them if they wanted to try moves on each other in the jungle gym. And that led to us like writing down on paper, like what our names were, what our wrestling names were and just stuff about our character in third grade. I was doing that shit. Yeah, man. Third grade. Uh, what, what does that make me nine, 10 years old? And I'm creating a league with my buddies, a backyard league. It's not a backyard. This is on the schoolyard schoolyard. So no, no trampoline. No, none of that stuff. You know that like enclosure, it's not monkey bars, but it's like this big metal enclosure kids would. Is it like a dome? Yeah, like a dome. Oh, yeah, we had those. Yeah. Yeah, that that was our squared circle. I'm surprised people even allowed us to have those things. Like you think people would like die on that. Like incredibly dangerous. Oh, yeah. And there's like, yeah, I don't think any of that stuff would fly in a playground these days. But they had a lot of like dangerous, (laughs) dangerous playground stuff for us to play on. And I remember being made of metal and. Yeah, I mean, and I've always been acrobatic. I've always been able to like test my limits and I would just scale walk these things all the time. (laughs) Yeah, so you were always pretty athletic? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, My passion whenever I was really young was running because at the daycare that I went to, I was the fastest runner. And why was that? Were you running from somebody or just running for fun? No, we just have races and stuff. And it was kind of like known amongst the daycare that nobody could beat Travis Dufour in a foot race. Until one day, this uh, kid who was a foreign exchange student from, uh, I think, Mexico, started going to my daycare, my stomping grounds. And I mean, and he whipped my ass in a foot race one day. And that was the first time, I think, that my ego really got checked. Did you feel uh, you feel de- felt deflated? I felt ashamed in myself. I felt like a failure. I thought I was going to grow up and just pick up trash the rest of my life. But there's nothing wrong with that, though. You can get paid really good to do that. They do actually do. They do make great money. There's no to make like. <laughs> but that's where <laughs> I was headed. All right. So tell me about like uh, this passion for wrestling and how that might have uh, blossomed into you wanting to do it yourself, maybe. Well, I mean, uh, times were changing. There was video games being made of it. There was just so much media. Computers. You played all the games, right? You played. Oh yeah, yeah. Literally every game. If we're talking personal favorites, uh, SmackDown, the original SmackDown, just bring it, was great, and it kind of molded my love for wrestling video games. The ones before that, you know, a lot of people say No Mercy on the N64 is the greatest game ever. I effing hate that game. Why? And why do you hate it? I think I remember playing that one. It's just the graphics are, you know, trash. And I thought that then, though, like, you know, it was pretty cutting edge for the time. I thought then that it was trash. And just the N64 controller. Do you, you played with the N64? I did. I just I thought that No Mercy was the game that some people praise. But I guess maybe it's another one. It, it, might, is. it has to be another one. Oh, some people praise that. Oh, No Mercy is on a lot of people's top list. Interesting, but it's on your shit list. Oh, it's absolutely the worst game. Probably one of the worst. (laughs) I mean, that's going that's going a little far. Yeah, uh, the first in the SmackDown series was was life changing for me. So what what would be your favorite game then? Probably that one. Well, on SmackDown 2, let me go ahead and ask you. Yes. 
SmackDown, yeah, shut your mouth. Yeah, that was actually one of my favorites right there. Oh no, here comes the pain. That was here comes favorite. the pain. Excellent game. Love that game. SmackDown 2, though, had a four-player career mode. Four-player. Dude, I don't think they've player. ever done anything like that nope. since then. Nope. And uh, it was uh, me and three of the other guys in our backyard league. We would play that ga- uh, play that game all together when we weren't backyarding. You also used to, what was that simulation game? You'd create feds online. Uh, what was that, that called? We used to Extreme play that together, warfare. actually. Yeah, Extreme Warfare. Dude, that was addicting. Oh yeah, Promotion you could lose war. you could lose days of your life in a row to that game without even thinking about it. I remember I sat down to play one day. I had a bowl of ice cream and I started playing. And uh, by the time I looked back at my ice cream, it was a bowl of milk. <laughs> Dude, like because, I spent that much time. Yeah, I uh, I spent way too much time doing that. I could have been doing uh, way other way more things, but hey, it was fun. It was fun, but kind of pointless also. You had to do, there were so many intricate things that you had to do for a show. Like you literally had to do everything all like the everything. (laughs) It just way too involved. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could never, I don't think I could have the patience or something like that today. No, I don't, yeah, I don't think I could not today. Just too much to do. Hey man, that's respectable. But you said that you like simple games. Didn't you? Yeah. Backyard wrestle. We, uh, yeah. Just with a few friends. Like we, we had a trampoline. trampoline though. Well, yeah, that's that's the way you should do it. Like, well, how did you you didn't use a trampoline? Hell no. I actually took it. I took this so seriously. I treated it like a business. I used my birthday money one year and decided that I was going to get a trampoline specifically for backyard wrestling. Like it wasn't for any other reason. Also bought it like a couple of DJ lights and some speakers or something so we can play some music. And it was it was fun. I mean, it was we tried to have a little production in our backyard. Let me ask you this, Mike. What is the most insane bump you ever took? Actually, I was not a bumper. I was uh, the yeah, one. that's what I thought. I was the one who who made other people bump. Oh, dude, my best friend, he did something crazy. He's still my best friend to this day. Uh, he he decided, okay, so there was this old, like, beat-up Nissan outside of our house next to this garage, and it was pretty much junked. It wasn't being used, and I don't even think it even started. Oh, did they let you trash it? They didn't let us do anything. We just took it upon ourselves because we're, I was just like, well, you know, because I don't know. I was like 13, 14 at the time, and I was like, well, I don't know. It's just sitting here. Nobody's really using it. And my buddy decides to climb onto the roof of the garage, which was right next door or right next to the car, and uh, his brother, who he was wrestling at the time, his wrestling name was Juvenile, I think. He laid Ooh, or very creative, and his name was Punk. Um, so he was punk before CM Punk was punk. But uh, so he he goes up to the top. This brother's laying on the hood of the vehicle, and this motherfucker decides to do a swanton bomb off of it, or no, and 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 lands right on the hood of the car. Could the whole hood dense, completely dense. I've turned out my mom did end up getting rid of the car. So, it, you know, we were in the clear, but uh, that was your car. What was my mom's car? It wasn't my car. I was just, I was just 13. So why did you let him do that? I don't think it was really, I, I don't think I really had to say he kind of just jumped up there and, Oh, I was the can I was the guy holding the camera. Cause I would do a lot of the videotaping cause it was my camera. And so I was just recording. And also, as I was recording, I would be doing commentary. So I was so into the match. I was like, Oh, punk's climbing the, Climb in the garage. What is he going to do? Oh, he's jumping off. But by the time yeah, he jumped but, off, it hadn't really occurred to me that he had just landed in my mom's vehicle. I, I, You holding the camera talking, I'm just imagining the proud father at the birthday party. Oh, oh dude, I was so pumped. Like, oh, he did some stupid shit, though. We saw that one other time he did a double flip and he hit his chin on the trampoline bar. So he overshot the trampoline 
like padded area or whatever the mat and hit his head right on uh, hit his chin right on the bar so he was oh he was knocked out because as soon as he hit all i saw was and his head just lay he was laying motionless and i thought he was dead i was ready for <laughs> actually i think what i said okay we got to go everybody everybody inside we're just going to leave him there for dead vince mcmahon has invested millions into the do not try this at home ads. It did not work for us. Two fucks. The do not try this at home did not have any effect on us. Nah, you try to top whatever's in the do not try. Absolutely. We also had the, we, uh, I don't know what you guys used for wrestling belts, but we used the plastic WWE belts, which were so much better back then than the crap that they give now in the to- at the toy store. Way better then. Oh, yeah. It's the, like they had thicker foam. Yeah. It's like thin little straps now that just feel yeah. like nothing. It's like kitty. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, what did you and, use for titles? Well, there's a lot of people who say, you know, they get really pissed off whenever they hear people, oh, things were better back in my day. But, brother, a lot of things were. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of my backyard tenure, we used the belt that you can get from Kmart, you know, the WWF, the oh, winged Kmart. eagle. I it was Kmart. the winged eagle title, too. Oh, damn. You had the good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I see, I grew up in a, in an apartment complex where you had, you had to have a low income to live there. So it's me and a bunch of other poor kids. And I remember one of our backyard, one of, one of my backyard friends, they were so poor. The only thing he got for his birthday one year was one of those foam titles because he want because he saw it in my backyard league so much and wanted one so jealous yeah I'm jealous yeah dude those were awesome though uh side note one of my brother's friends or my brother or sorry one of my friend's brothers actually took one of our foam belts because he got pissed okay i don't know no no he no he took it and, and snapped it in two right on his knee like right in front of us because he got mad over some storyline or some some bullshit the kids get mad over that actually means nothing in real life he just snaps it in two, and I went crazy. I'm like, no! <laughs> just going crazy. I'm not a violent guy, but I, I would pop somebody for that. Dude, he broke the cha- – how do you just disrespect the championship like that? Did you get it on film? I, we got everything on film, but I don't know where that camera or that film went. No, it's but did he tear the belt on film? He did, but it's gone. Okay, like the hey, gone. no, 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 hey, let him work his gimmick. <laughs> I don't think he was working. He was throwing a temper tantrum. It wasn't a shoot. Doing. He did it on film. You think he's? No, okay, you think he's not working you? Okay, he was probably working. You're right. He's probably working us. No, those were the days though. Whenever you didn't have to take yourself so seriously, just getting together with your friends. Like that's mainly what. It and you is. went outside. Like you didn't. Yeah, we had video games and we played them, but like we didn't devote our lives to video games. You know what I mean? Like we went outside not- and did stuff. Yeah, not yet. I mean, you know, uh, teach your own. You can make a lot of money playing video no, games. No, no, I'm not criticizing. No, I'm just saying it's sure. good to get out is what I was saying. I have no way. Yeah. I love video games, so I'm in no way criticizing people who do play a lot. But it just was way different then. Like you know, when you woke up, you're like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, I'm going to go outside and play with my friends. That's what you did. Whenever backyard wrestling really got serious for me was at the apartment complex that I was living in. And it's where I made um, one of my closest friendships that I, that I've ever had uh, with this guy named Gary. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this as broad as possible. We wrestled on the grass. Dude, that's dangerous. He should have went, should have went with the trampoline. (laughs) That's dangerous. We're taking brain busters on the ground. No, I'm just kidding. Wow, dude. 
We did some stuff on the ground. We did like some power bombs and some some stuff, but we were very careful about it. Whenever I first started backyarding, it was very sissy, mainly uh, submissions, you know. But you got braver as you went on. Yeah, I mean, the first backyard matches, you're you're maybe seeing a suplex. That's like the most complex thing you see. Yeah, but suplex is pretty easy to land and and make you know yourself and your opponent you know make it not hurt for you guys. So, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty simple bump there. Mike, did you have a backyard name? My backyard name was actually Mike Toxic. Mike Toxic. I like that. I'm surprised you don't remember that because I think I was even going by Mike Toxic in our in our Burnout Media days, which we'll get to on a later episode. But uh, in the very early days of Burnout Media, I think I'm still using Mike Toxic. I no, think. absolutely. You were. Yeah, you were okay. Mike Toxic. Yeah. I, um, I didn't know you used that in the backyard. Dude, yeah, that was my backyard name, Mike Mike Toxic, and I was a, I was a world champion at one time of the backyard. How many title defenses? I, I, I don't know. Three, four, five. Who knows? But I always booked myself to go over. I, I was like the big show in my backyard wrestling federation. Okay. I could see that. You had a bunch of so, other like smaller kids than you. Yeah, I also did uh, – I don't know what the move is actually called, but it's when you pick up your opponent for a suplex, but then you kind of bring them down on their head instead of like – kind of like almost like a ddt but from the air it's kind of like what john moxley does actually is that a brain buster i don't know you might be thinking of a death valley driver actually that's why i think that's exactly what it is so that was my finishing move but we would only do that on the trampoline so it didn't really hurt whenever i first started wrestling my finisher was the figure four leg lock because i was like maybe like 80 85 90 95 pounds somewhere in there so were you a rick flair fan is that what brought that on or yeah no i did no. not grow up loving rick flair at all um i did see that his finisher was the figure four leg lock and you like that uh, my brother did my brother would put me in the figure four leg lock to like legitimately torture me when we were kids oh damn and Some i trauma well i watched him do it one time and i was like I dissected the move, and I was like, I think I could do that move. He never let me try it on him. I've seen you do it uh, in later videos when you, like in your wrestling days, and you've actually applied it pretty well. I don't know how it was in the backyard days, but my rule of thumb is that if I'm going over and if you're too heavy, figure four leg lock. That was my finisher. Makes sense. But, so how um, about you? Did you win some championships in your backyard wrestling days? At the very first company, it was my company, so I strapped myself up multiple times there. Did you guys actually film it like we would do? Yes, I have currently. I have about 10 uh, shows. You still have them today? I do. They're on VHS. And one thing that we will be doing on the Do4 brand is a watch along eventually. That would be pretty fun, actually. I, I would I would get some kicks out of that for sure. Oh, hell yeah. And it, I'm going to make sure that I don't watch I wish it we had clips. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah it's probably best not to... Uh, not to watch it probably make you cringe looking back at it yeah yeah i know i would for my stuff just because it just <laughs> we took it way too serious and that's a good thing and also a bad thing but we made fools of ourselves for sure did you guys ever use a ladder in your backyard wrestling federation oh yeah oh yeah or any or any weapons tell us tell me about the kind of weapons you would use i was going to get into that in a little bit that's cool yeah yeah i was just um, curious about it because i, I mean because at the very beginning of, of this backyard wrestling venture, it was very tame. It wasn't like the VHS tapes that were coming out about backyard wrestling. It was so tame. Like, we never did anything crazy. Some um, of those tapes were crazy. 
I yeah. had a couple. Yeah, they were crazy. You know, they were involving the fire, the light tubes, and stuff like that. And yeah, I was never interested in that. That's good. But, yeah, we weren't either. Yeah, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, I was. I was f- trying to figure out what I was gonna wear. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. So we were just interested in doing some of the basic moves and just basically copying what we saw on TV. Wrestling was fun, and we wanted to storylines. Yeah, yeah, storyline. Yeah, that, yeah. And we would too. Would you write out your shows? We would. Yep. <laughs> we did. Mm-hmm. I still actually. I still have some booklets of some shows that I wrote up. That's the one thing I still have. I would love. Love, love, love to see those one day. Yeah, we uh, yeah, we would just have the list of matches and who's going over and all kinds of crazy stuff. So one night I'm watching a Monday Night Raw, and a commercial comes on, uh, advertising pro wrestling is coming to the Martinsburg Fairgrounds, and I was like, oh, pro wrestling, the Martinsburg Fairgrounds now. I had never known that there was anything outside of the WWF, WCW, or ECW at this time. So this was your first exposure to like uh, something local. Yeah. And uh, and the the graphic comes across Greg the Hammer Valentine, former WWF champion Ivan Koloff, uh, and Demolition Axe are all coming to the fairgrounds. And brother... On uh, one of those tapes that I grew up on, I think it was uh, the Survivor Series one, Demolition is heavily involved in that pay-per-view. And you knew who those wrestlers were like at the time, right? Hyped. I wanted to meet Demolition Axe more than anything. Greg Valentine, I had seen him, obviously, you know, but they were kind of advertising him as like the marquee guy. Besides Ivan Koloff, former WWF champion. Dude, I was like, I have to go to this. Have you ever been to an indie show? Yeah, in Cleveland, we went to a show with uh, someone you know. <laughs> I won't say his name, but uh, went to a, a wrestling show and actually saw Kano. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He goes, he went by another name too. Oh, but I also saw Tyler Black there. So I saw Tyler Black and Johnny Gargano, and that was my first exposure to those guys. Tyler Black, for those of you who don't know, is now Seth Rollins, and Johnny Gargano is still that. Still, is, he's still going by that. But um, and, uh, so you got to see, uh, get a little taste of the Ohio independent wrestling scene. Oh yeah, it was fun, dude. They uh, it was a good show, and and Tyler, I could tell Tyler Black at the time was going to be a somebody. He just looked when he made his entrance. I could tell. How, how old were one. you? Oh, I had to have been eighteen, nineteen, seven. Yeah, seventeen or eighteen. Well, see, it's kind of cool because like different areas, you get to see different kind of wrestling. Like that's the kind of wrestling that you got to see uh, where I was, where I grew up in Martinsburg, West Virginia. We saw the old timers come through. Like I paid a ticket to see Tony Atlas. I saw Head Shrinker Samu, the promoter that ran the shows around here. He just bring in the old timers. I never really saw anybody from the future come through. Luke Gallows is from my area. Oh, really? I, I saw Luke Gallows. Does he live there now, do you know, or he just was originally from there? No, I believe he lives in Georgia now, but uh, um, he was Dorian DeVille whenever I first saw him. That name sounds familiar, actually. I don't know why, but it does. Yeah. Maybe he was, was he popular with that name or no? Not at all. Huh. Then maybe I'm just making that up, but it sounds familiar. It was kind of cool because uh, whenever, like, one of the first big things he did was he was the imposter Kane. I'm May 19th, I remember that. And I was like, man, this is a dude I was paying a ticket to see. I was kind of starstruck when I saw that. That felt good. I, I thought that 
I think I was one of the few that actually thought that storyline was cool. I really thought oh, I was, was I was hyped about it. I thought Kane versus Kane was pretty sweet, but I think they ended it pretty quick because they I guess they disagreed. Pulling no punches, Gallows look like shit in the Kane outfit. But other than that, I was excited. I think if they had kept the lights dim enough, it would be convincing. But when once the light comes on, it's pretty clear it was not Kane. There goes the magic, brother. Yeah. But so this is someone from a local. Did this like give you inspiration that maybe since somebody in your area was on TV that maybe you might be on TV someday? Would that no, give you any type no, of hope? that that was never no, uh, no never a was, thought. No, no, it was actually uh, cool going seeing to, him, yeah. uh, seeing the advertisement for this independent wrestling show with Greg Valentine, Demolition Axe, all these guys. Uh, my mom couldn't take me, so I asked my dad, and uh, my parents were divorced and and everything. So my my dad agreed to take me to this wrestling event wrestling yeah i'd consider it wrestling it was a very old school production i mean they just uh i came to this place and it had a shitty tarp set up for the guys to walk under uh there was no banners or nothing there was just a wrestling ring set up in the center of this little music hall that they had at the fairgrounds so pretty bare bones yeah i'd say yeah the thing that sold me about the whole thing uh, right out the gate, opening match come starts, and uh, this guy comes through the curtain, and they announce him as uh, Doc Hollywood, and he's making his way to the ring, and he stops right in front of me. And now, uh, this is kind of like a barn-type setting, so there's like, where I'm sitting, there's like a lot of dirt and stuff where I'm sitting. This guy, Doc Hollywood, like, kicks up dirt on me, like, kicks it in my face. And, you know, being the bad guy and like a, some dirt gets in my mouth and shit. And I'm, and I'm like, that's that son of a bitch. And, you know, he keeps walking. Dude. Are you a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fan? Yeah. It just reminded me of that line where he said, I'm going to put you, some dirt in your eye. You remember that stupid line? No. I could just picture Tobey Spider-Man walking next to you. I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. No, no. But dude, uh, as crazy as it sounds, that spot right there sold me. Really? Sold me. And why? Well, because you just love the bad guy. Love the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. And he took that extra, uh, that extra little bit, kicking dirt towards the fans. You know. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing about heels is always like when they would like uh, wipe their boots off at the side of the ring. That's like a heel thing, right? No, that's a a respect thing. Oh, really? Oh, I always thought it was yeah. like a heel thing. I never know. No, man, you should always uh, you should always wipe your feet before you get in the squared circle. That's cool. Somebody told me that was a heel thing, and they were wrong. <laughs> wow, I think that they were trying to get you beat up. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I remember actually that's when I was doing the not the, I was doing the that show with you the one time and you let me bump a few times. That's one of the things I did before I got in the ring was I wiped my feet because I just I don't know it just felt like. A heel thing to do, but it wasn't a heel thing. I guess you saw Mr. Perfect do it one time, and you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna." Do it looked it. cool, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that is cool. The magic behind everything. Right. But you got some dirt in your eye. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was, uh, I was uh, fully, uh, I was fully sucked in. Uh, one interesting thing about this event is that the main event was supposed to be Ivan Koloff versus Greg Valentine. About halfway through the show, they announced that. Um, there was some kind of car issues with Ivan Koloff and Ivan Koloff was not going to be there. So to replace Ivan Koloff, they didn't announce anything. 
They just said Ivan Koloff isn't going to be here. And the show kept going. Demolition Axe came out to wrestle his opponent. And the surprise opponent for him was Nikolai Volkov. Are you a Nikolai guy? I would. I have not seen any. I, I, li- I mean, I like him from what I've saw, uh, seen, but I you know, was not a fan. Okay. Like that. That's did fair not, enough. Did not, I did not follow his work. He you sang. What, he sang uh, the national anthem from where, yeah. whatever country. The, yeah, on, whatever country. On one of the uh, VHS tapes I had growing up, so I knew who he was. Yeah, that's cool, though. I remember yeah, him so, singing that song. That's about the only thing I remember of him. And he also had that, like, hat. It was probably, I think, was it Russian? Russia? Were they Russian? Because he yeah, I don't was know. Iron Sheik, too. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I liked Iron Sheik. I always thought he was cool. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not an Iron Sheik guy. No? No. Was there a reason? Uh, no, I mean... Did you ever run in with him one time? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, his gimmick was that he was like a foreign, you know, like that foreign uh, uh, enemy. And that gimmick has never worked on me. I've never liked any foreign Canada, you know, Landstorm, like, you know, any kind of foreigner gimmick I've never been into. Hmm. I got you. I actually kind of like the foreigner gimmicks. I'm kind of the opposite of you on that one. So like uh, the Law of Resistance tag team, I liked them. Uh, what was the Canadian tag team where they tried to burn the uh, American flag and then Kane actually returned, whatever they were? The Un-Americans, I liked them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I always liked the foreigners for some reason. I just gravitated towards it. I mean, oh, well, Ma- Muhammad, Muhammad Hassan, love that dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a big mark, so you kind of like everything now. No, oh, I'm just oh, kidding. I'm just thank kidding. Thank you. Thank you. No, actually, I've always gravitated toward whatever the bad guys were. That's who I liked. No, I mean, I don't know who's the bigger mark, me or you, because I ended up dedicating 15 years of my life to it. So who's the bigger sounds mark? Like, sounds like it's you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not a bad thing. William Regal actually just went on a recent podcast and talked about how he hates the word mark. He thinks it's a derogatory word, and he doesn't like to use it because he doesn't uh, think of wrestling fans as marks. I've heard that argument. Yeah. So what's your stance uh, on what Mr. Regal says on that? I don't really use marks. I used it just now uh, in a satire kind of way. After this wrestling show, I remember me and my dad walking back to the car. And my dad actually made it a point to stop uh, whenever we got to the car. And he looked at me and he was like, hey, these guys don't make like anything. They don't barely make any money. And it's a and it's a tough life. Like it's so he knew the business. He knew the business kind of working somehow. He said huh. this to me and he was he, like, but if was you read like Dave Meltzer's newsletter or something, I don't know. I'll just go ahead and get to it. He actually uh, died about a month after he took me to this wrestling show. Oh, wow. Just a month after. Well, what I was going to say is that I'd like to pick his brain about like what he knew about wrestling. Cause I never really had any wrestling conversations with my dad. It sounds like he knew something though. Like he was giving you that information. Well, he, like, he pulled, he pulled me off to the side and he was like, you know, tough life, tough business. But then he said, but if you really want to do it, you know, I really think that you could, I think that you got the heart for it. Dude. He said that he said that dude, that's badass. Like he, so he planted that, that seed. I mean, this man was 1000% my hero. So hearing that it lit a flame in me. This is another photo of him now. So that's, that's actually really cool. I didn't even know that fact that he, he said that to you and then that made you that made you obviously think, right? Like, cause he's, cause you hear a lot of stories about parents and they're just like, Oh, don't do that. Don't do this. You know? And they, they discourage their kids from doing certain things. And here he is telling you, you know, if you wanted to be a wrestler, you could definitely do that. Like that's pretty oh, badass. He, he was a total hippie and he was not the disciplinarian too. Uh, I remember him specifically 
I remember my mom and him getting into a fight one time and she said, whenever my, the boys come back here, they don't listen to me for shit. So you need to be more strict whenever they're visiting you. And guess what my dad said? He said, <laughs> boys will be boys. I love that phrase. It's true. Boom. Fuck you, mom. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Dads are the best. Now, my mom, uh, she really has supported my dreams just as much. So I love my That's mom. good. That's good. So the both of them kind of cheered you on. Yeah. But, um, so, so I, I, I want to go back to that real fast. So like he was telling you, you know, you could be a wrestler. Like, do you remember at all what went through your head? Was that even a thought then? Like, yeah, I could be. Or, or did you kind of just forget about it for, for now? Well, at this time, I was wrestling with my buddies i was back here wrestling at this time and i was actually the like you the owner so i was kind of calling the shots and stuff but after this after i went to a show saw people get slammed had all this stuff happen. my dad says this to me next time i'm in the backyard i'm like really dissecting stuff and i'm like putting more oomph into my entrance and i'm just you know i'm starting to feel it in my bones every time that i you know, get together with my friends. What ends up happening is I move away from the apartment and into a house in, uh, into the city. So I'm going from an apartment to now I live in the middle of a city. The mall's in walking distance. The high school's in walking distance. And the next chapter of my life is starting. And so when you move to the city, there's obviously no backyard or anything to wrestle in anymore, right? I now have an enclosed backyard. Um, oh, an enclosed backyard. Okay. Yeah. I don't have to worry about the other tenants. When you said the- city, I was picturing like Scott, you know, the, the high rise buildings. So oh. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it sounds like the backyard days are over. Now, if, if, if anybody's ever been to Martinsburg, it's not really a city. It's just a really big town. I got you. I got you. Yeah, man. I uh, really started getting heavily into backyard wrestling at this time. I had... Uh, changed my backyard into a backyard wrestling arena. I had beds, beds, mattresses. mattresses. That's crazy. <laughs> what did you call this uh, federation? This incarnation was the NLBW, No Limit Backyard Wrestling. There's the logo right there. Did you make that yourself? I did. Very nice. Yeah, the NLBW, owner and president. President and owner. <laughs> I was the president and owner of... Uh... It's gonna. It's real original. It was called Backyard, or it's called Extreme Backyard Wrestling (EBW), the most generic backyard name you could even think of. I'm sure hundreds of other backyard federations were called the exact same thing. At least yours has like unique like abbreviation NLBW. Like, well, the promotion uh, previously was NLW, No Limit Wrestling. In the apartments, we had No Limit Wrestling, and then moving into this house, um, which I w- actually just to, for the record, I didn't own that. My best friend did. So whenever I moved into this house, I started my own league called the NLBW, and uh, my neighbors got in on the action. There was kids that I met in high school that got in on the action. I got to meet a lot of people because I was hosting these backyard wrestling events. Now, did you ever actually get into like selling tickets or did, or even did anyone come and watch the show? They did. Yeah. It was never any more than 10 people, but sisters, one time friend from schools, you know, they would pop in. It, it was never like a, a really major thing. One time during this period, I was in a backyard match 
in my friend's garage. He had uh, asked his mom if it was cool for them to change their garage into an arena. So we had like lights set up in there, all this stuff set up in there. And I was in a match and I was on top of this kid throwing strikes. One of the fans, which was the brother of this kid that I was beating up, thought I was beating him up for real. So he came up and open palm slapped me in the face. Oh, damn. Like Will Smith style. Yeah. And this kid was about three or four years younger than me. And I had a good 20, 30 pounds on this kid. I let go of the guy that I'm punching. And I just go into full blackout mode. And I just grab this kid by the shirt and start slapping the shit out of him. (laughs) What was his reaction to that? Well, there, it wasn't just him and his brother. They, they had like three other brothers and all of the brothers like oh. do this. <laughs> so they, they jump in or what? Well, they thought that he was a shithead. So they didn't help him at all. And I beat the brakes off this kid. <laughs> what does it mean to beat the brakes off somebody? What it, Can you just describe that for me? What goes flying off of somebody where you beat the brakes off of them? He was just howling, crying, and it was only like five or six slaps, but... It wasn't punches. I wasn't even punching this kid. I was slapping the shit out of him. You should have punched him right in the throat. Just go, went for the jugular. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, even at uh, 16 years old, I think um, I knew that that would kill somebody. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, that was just kind of like a random story there. One thing that started catching on with my backyard league was uh, the, the the ultra-violent backyard wrestling. Like, uh, what are you talking about? Weapons or what? Oh, the glass tubes, barbed wire. Wait, I thought you said you didn't do those. You you actually I did didn't. start to. All of my you... buddies around me, dude. They uh they started like really experimenting. So with that what? Stuff. Can you tell me like what led to this decision to like get more violent? Like whose idea was there? Was their idea then? Yeah, I mean, um, TNA wrestling started in 2002. I was back here wrestling 2002, 2003, 2004. The backyard wrestling tapes were coming out at this time as well. And I think that the other guys in my group were very impressionable whenever it came to me. I never wanted to prove anything to anybody. I never had like that big of an ego about it, I guess. But there was uh, the other kids in the group, man. They really started up in the ante. We used to wrestle with this one guy's grandpa's house. (laughs) And his grandpa was so old school and he was a sweet old man. And now one day we decided that we were going to uh, catch two tables that were stacked on top of each other on fire. No, you guys were crazy. And my buddy who uh, lived at the house, he was going to get put on my other buddy's shoulders and they were going to jump off of the roof of the house through two flaming tables. Jesus. So they were literally insane. No, these guys were. I never these tried guys. any of that shit. Oh, you never you ever got involved in that stuff? I, I'll, Did you ever I'll, take a light tube to the face? No. I mean, after this story, I will te- I will tell the most extreme thing I ever did. But the guys go onto the roof, and they're about to do the spot. I don't know what the hell they're trying to do. But the grandpa comes outside, and he sees what they're doing. And he... And you know what this old man does? What? He goes and grabs the hose on the side of the house. Just starts spraying it at him. <laughs> Trying to get him to stop. 
Yeah, and he and he's saying super calm. Now come on, Matthew. Gotta get down from there. As he's spraying them. Yeah, super casual. And at this point, the tables are on fire. He's not <laughs> he's not spraying the tables. He's shooting it up on the roof at these kids. Dude, these kids wanted to die. I, had a death well, wish. I know that a lot of my friends like had like issues, you know, so did I, you know, and that was one of our escapes was getting together on the weekends to backyard wrestle. Yeah. We, we love backyard wrestling too, but the most extreme thing we ever did was not even that extreme. I mean, I told you about the Nissan thing where someone was jumping off uh, the roof, which I didn't partake in. Uh, somebody jumped off a ladder once somebody also got power bombs. So somebody's that bright idea was to duct tape, uh, a piece of cardboard onto two chairs oh, perfect um, between two chairs so it was going to act yeah. like a table almost and our the effect that we thought would happen is is someone would get power bombed through it and like the cardboard would like rip in half or something that is not what happened the cardboard did not rip in half it actually brought both chairs where is my camera there we go it actually brought both chairs to collapse on each other hit him in the face both chairs hit him right in the face and we thought he was knocked out so a lot any of our blood? stunts didn't pan. No, and we've never got any real blood. Oh, except for my one buddy on his chin when he hit the metal bar. There was blood there. Yeah. So some of the stunts that we tried to pull off that we even tried to make safe did not go too well. Actually, one of my best friends growing up, uh, Chase, I tried to do the Swanton bomb on him. And we were on the trampoline. And I realized that he was uh, too far out. And so I bailed on the Swanton bomb. <laughs> you and bailed. Well, I ended up doing a full front flip, and whenever my uh, heel came down, it came crashing down directly on the bridge of his nose. Oh, broken nose? There was blood immediately. <laughs> so much. I couldn't believe it. Now, are I you? Uh, so do, you have an, do you have an issue with blood, or is it like... No. I know for me, I have like a weak stomach on that shit, so... Now, uh, and just a preview into, net, uh, into episode two of the Travis Through Four show... We will be talking about my pro wrestling career. So that is something to look forward to. And we can talk a little bit more about blood on that episode. Cool. So with that being said, backyard wrestling is uh, consuming my life at this point. I'm in high school. And one thing that I've never enjoyed is uh, school. So I just stopped going. Wait, I, real quick, going back to you can't you can't just gloss over that table story. So did anybody go through the flaming tables? No, it worked. Oh, the oh, the grandpa spraying the spray, they came right down. They were like cats. They were damn. like, oh, we don't like water. <laughs> I really was hoping somebody was going to go through those damn tables. Nah, uh, probably. Okay. So, yeah, I, I did promise I was going to tell a story about the sickest thing I ever did in backyard. Yeah. Yeah. It was my last backyard match I had. And I was wrestling uh, my best friend, Joey Landis. And the finish is I'm going to get uh, power bombed through a makeshift table, like the one that you were saying earlier, but mine wasn't cardboard. It was actually like a plywood between two steel chairs. But the thing that made it the most hardcore thing I ever did is uh, Joey Landis goes to pick me up for the power bomb to power bomb me through this table. And he's realizing that whenever you have somebody in the power bomb, you can't see. Yeah. Oh, so he did, he missed his mark. He tosses me, and <laughs> and I don't go through the center of the table. 
I am very so very much so off to the right, and I go crashing through a steel chair. Oh, oh, how bad did that hurt? It looked gnarly on it. Looked- that's and it did not hurt at all. Really? That's great. That's all. good. And I and I was very proud of my selling too. I acted like it killed me. But, uh, well, at least you get, didn't get hurt. So, did you ever get injured while backyard wrestling? I don't believe so. I know that whenever I initially started backyard wrestling, because of the injury, uh, just being scared to get hurt. I made it a, a decision where I first started it that I didn't want to be a wrestler. I actually wanted to be like a Vince McMahon type. You know, be the be the boss, be the promoter. Yeah, be the on screen character, be the guy who's pulling the strings. That's what I enjoyed too. I always enjoyed, and we're kind of the same in that way. Then I enjoyed the interviewing people, pretty much yeah, exactly like what Vince would do in the early days, kind of doing a bit of everything. The original dream was be Vince McMahon. I didn't want to be Austin. I wanted to be McMahon. And did you have any goals with this backyard promotion? Did you see it going anywhere in your mind? Like, did you have anything planned or what was your vision for it? I guess. Did you see it going anywhere? Well, I knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, I had a couple of friends in the backyard who would talk like that. They'd be like, we want to make this careers. Like once we do turn 18, we want to stay in the backyard and just make content for uh, the internet, which was becoming a thing. Oh, but yeah, stay back here, wrestlers. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's the video games that are coming out. There's the tapes that are coming out. Like backyard wrestling is sweeping the nation at this time. Oh, I remember. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was great. I mean, the other guys, they had some some ideas about continuing backyard wrestling, but I never did. I never did. I knew whenever I was turning 18, I was going to find a school and start my pro wrestling journey. So did you guys always do it on the grass then? There was never a ring or a trampoline or anything like that? Well, uh, there was different variations throughout the years. You know, I've wrestled on a tarp on the on the ground. I've wrestled on mattresses that had a tarp over it. I mean, you name it. Mattresses, yeah. Yeah. As far as backyard wrestling goes, it was so consuming for me that I straight up stopped going to school so I could go over to my friend's house and still write shows and stuff. And like prepare for shows. And would you guys rehearse or anything? Or you just just went out and winged it? Uh, There was, I would train people. I was a trainer. (laughs) A trainer in the backyard. I was that damn good. I started showing the other kids how to do it. That good, huh? Yeah, man. I mean, we even had farm leagues. I was training one of the kids and they were like, oh, I want to start my own thing. And I was like, I already have my own thing. So if you want to start your, your own thing, you can do it across town or something you can't do it in my <laughs> like near my yard it's only the town's only big enough for the one of us yeah dude i took that shit pretty serious dude, i mean we did too for a time until my friend did you ever have any friends tell you that was stupid or anything like that or discourage you from doing that or were, were all your friends just cool about it you know like outside of the normal kids in elementary middle school i'm um, saying you know you know you know that stuff's fake you know i think that i we hate evolved. that i hate that word I hate the yeah. F word. We've all wrestling's heard. not fake. It just reminds me of uh, Ready to Rumble. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually, and even one of my friends, once my one friend who was punk, who did the stupid Swanton onto the Nissan, um, once he got started getting older, we went, once we were all older, he got into football in high school, and he kind of like distanced himself from it. He thought it was kind of like stupid, and he didn't want to do it anymore. 
And that's kind of how we stopped doing it is, you know, then his brothers thought it was stupid. And then we kind of just stopped doing it eventually. Like by the time we were 16 or 17, like no, none of us were doing it anymore. Well, good. It worked out for you. Well, I got, I guess I was, I was the only one who was really pushing for it. Like I was the one who was like, come on guys, let's, I still wanted to do the shows. Like I still wanted to, you know, put them on and trying to invite them over to do it. And nobody wanted to, so I'm not going to wrestle with myself. So damn. So whenever that chapter closed, uh, it was, it, you felt a little more personal about it, didn't you? It was sad. Like I would, I, I, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I look back on those memories fondly and I even joke with them now. Like, Oh, what about those EBW days? You missed those. They're like, no, those are stupid. I'm like, okay, well, F you ah, <laughs> fuck them deep down. They know it was cool. There's no backyard way. wrestling was so dope. Yeah. I, but I was the only one who wanted to continue. So, and we did get as far as like wanted some of the neighbor kids wanted to join and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess our neighborhood was just different. It just, and also, uh, their mom didn't really like it. Um, the moms didn't really enjoy that we were backyard wrestling. They weren't fond of it. Oh, no, no, for sure. Uh, my best friend's mom, uh, she, we had one show at their house. And whenever all the kids went home, she, like, his mom walked up to him and was like saying that we were like going to break into the house and stuff. She was like, I'm going to start investing in deadbolts because you have a really old friend here who comes here. He's like 17. <laughs> He's like 17 and he's wrestling with you 14 year olds and he's, he's trying to use you. And we're like, to use you for acting crazy. Yeah. Mothers are overprotective to say the least. No, for sure. And you know what? This next uh, story is exactly why this same mom was pretty pissed off and stopped letting wrestling happen to to her house. Uh, It was great for me, but it was not good for her. Uh, what ended up happening? These guys. Well, the guy in the middle, um, his name was Razor. Razor he, Ramon. Nah, he was a big fan of Razor Ramon. I actually, I haven't talked to that guy in over ten years. We're actually not friends currently. Our friendship ended about ten years ago. Well, that's sad. Always sad when friendships end. That's a, that's okay by me. Oh, it's good. That's good then. <laughs> he uh, he had entered a contest with the local independent wrestling company called the NWL HOPWF, the national wrestling league razor ended up entering a uh, contest called the dream come true contest. And what, what this contest was, they were going to allow a certain number of local Joe Schmoes to start training at the school for free. And he was picked as one of the guys. And then, after he does this uh, contest where he essentially learns how to be a pro wrestler for free, he does just a couple months of the training and then drops out of it and starts backyard wrestling with me and my friends. So he left them? He did. And uh, there was a couple other people who entered it as well. Uh, guys like Eric Polaris and Harlan Kano. There's been a couple guys which, you know... The uh, modern day wrestling fan wouldn't know any of these guys, but they were all like local kids that entered into this contest to win, but they were also backyard wrestlers. Did you ever have like a, a feud of any kind uh, with another backyard fed? Oh. oh, with another backyard fed? No. Yeah. Yeah. When we were, we only had one. It was like an online one. Um, like the feud only existed on a, on the websites. Like we had, we each had our own website and we would each post stories like feuding and I think there was a plan, but they were all, oh, they were older than us. So they were like 18, 19 or something like that. And we were, I don't know, 15, 16. 
So the age difference is why we never actually went to ended up going to meet up with them and and continuing the feud like in real life. But so it only existed on the internet. No, that actually the same exact thing happened to me. There was a kid I met from like uh, uh, upstate Pennsylvania, and he was trying to create an event called Battle of the Backyarders, and he <laughs> wanted to use me and a couple of my friends. Was that uh, like a but- tournament? I don't know what it was going to be. It never came to fruition. I remember oh. talking to the kid about it, but it never came into anything. Hmm. But let's go ahead and check off some of these stories, man. One of the craziest things that ever happened, Joey Landis, one of my best friends in the backyard days, he ended up watching one of these ultraviolet backyard videos, and he wanted to try the whole light your hand on fire and smack your friend. I've, I've never even seen that before. Why You've would never you seen light, that? You light your own, he light his own skin or like a glove? This is a classic deathmatch spot. You yeah, I've never heard of this. Yeah, tell me about it. What is this? Well, what Joey Landis did was he taped up his hand with the athletic tape, and then he soaked the athletic tape in lighter fluid. Wow. And lighter fluid burns at a insanely high level. <laughs> Not as high as gasoline, but yeah, pretty high. Sure. I, mean, I, I thought you were going to say gasoline. At least he didn't do gasoline because he would have been fucked. <laughs> like, royally. So he ends up doing it. He catches his hand on fire. And the spot is, is that he's going to... have to... this on camera, dude? No. Oh, damn. This is one of the only things, like, they weren't filming. And I actually was not at this show whenever it happened. But, uh, which was one of the only backyard shows I missed it. Um, during my tenure but he catches his hand on fire the athletic tape on his hand his hand is now on fire and the spot is joey landis is just gonna smack this kid upside the head just boom catch your hand on fire smack him in the head he does it it catches the kid's hair on fire he's got long jeff hardy hair so it's just burning and there's lighter fluid in his hair then this kid's hair is on fire but he puts it out really quick now, what, what the problem is, is that Joey Landis, his hand is, he has slapped him in the head. He looks down at his hand. His hand is still on fire. He starts patting his hand on his chest, patting the back of his hand on his chest. His hand's still on fire. He is now in full-blown freak-out mode, starts screaming. <laughs> oh, my God. So how old was he then at this time? He's... 14 or 15 14 years old lighting his hand on fire he was very mature for his age it doesn't sound like it honestly if you're lighting your hand on fire he was one of the biggest wrestlers we had he was this big uh stout kid so now his hands on fire it's not out he starts screaming now he's running around the house (laughs) he makes one full rotation about around a uh like a rancher home small home he runs around this entire home and then finally just falls to his his chest with his hand on the ground and it finally puts it out. Wow. He was so he was in a full panic. Brother, the damage was done. His hand had third degree burns on it and you you saw it, right? Cuz you guys were friends. I saw pictures of it. He immediately goes to the hospital, the local hospital which is two blo- just two blocks down the road. But his mom is a nurse. Oh, that works at the hospital. She's oh. pissed. Oh, I bet. I bet. Imagine that, Bill. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be pretty, even with insurance, maybe. 
That put him, uh, I think he sat on the sidelines for about a month before he started wrestling again. So he had to have his, like his hand in a cast or like a wrapped up or something? Or? His hand was like, like he had like that petroleum jelly with the multiple wraps of gauze around. Wow. Yeah. Did it ever like fully heal or is there like visible damage, like permanent damage? If you really look at his hand, you know, it's one of those things where you got to really look for it. You can tell, but uh, it healed up pretty good. Wow. So what about the dude that got his hair and uh, set on fire? What happened with him? They made that into a bigger deal than the kid's hand. How do you mean? Well, I mean, his hair was on fire maybe a couple seconds, and it put it, it kind of put itself out. Uh, the grandparents, same same grandparent that was spraying the hose, he's like, <laughs> he's like. That dude again. He's like, I'm really sorry to hear about Landis's hand, but look at your hair. Look at your <laughs> Dude, like, I, think some, I think some hair will grow back. I think your I think your hair is fine, bro. Yeah, that I mean, I still can't believe it. The grandpa thought that that was a big deal, but um, yeah, something that's, that's hilarious. Him spraying the hose. I could just I just wish I was there for that day, seeing so just calmly spraying the hose. Anyway, it was great. Um, I had a mass character as well, uh, called uh the Great Malenko. The Great Malenko for after Dean Malenko, I'm sure. Was he no, after? it was uh, it was like an ICP character. I would come out to the Great Malenko by ICP. I had a Rey Mysterio uh, classic mask with the red and black. Was and it like I, a, an authentic mask or one of those plastic ones? Oh, it was it was a replica mask. Oh, cool. But it was like one of the $25, $30 ones. Yeah. I would disguise my voice whenever I would talk like the Great Malenko. I would sound just like that. So he had his own voice. <laughs> so where did that voice come from? Like, how did you develop that voice for that specific character? I, is that Russian? It almost sounded Russian the way you just did it. What was it exactly? Is it anything in particular? No, man. I've just always been like a kind of a goofy kind of guy. And I did voices a lot uh, growing up. And like, that's how I'd make people laugh, become friends with them, like elementary, middle school. And I kind of, um, you know, whenever you talk like this, you can kind of, uh, you can get out a lot. You don't have to think too much and you can just kind of talk with it. And uh, I like that. Yeah, that was a total comedy character. But my point of that story was we made a office for the great Malenko because he became the commissioner of the Backyard League. Oh, the commissioner. We made a little office for him uh, that was made out of cardboard boxes. Can you imagine that? So like McFoley style where it's like bare, bare minimum. Because all he had was like a little desk and some trinkets. Yeah, but you could actually go inside these cardboard boxes. It kind of looked like a cardboard box house. It was, you know, not too big. Oh, you mean it was that big where you could walk in it? Yeah. yeah. Well, you had to get on your hands and knees and crawl in. Oh, jeez. But that's but that's how I like you to come into that was, my house. That was the gimmick, though. Yeah, yeah. So that was done on purpose, and they were like on right on the outside of the door. There was like a like we drew with a marker this doorbell that you had to touch, or he wouldn't answer the door. Apparently on one of these shows, uh, the great Malenko was trying to do his job and the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, I don't remember who it was. They wanted a match and the great Malenko wouldn't give it to him. So we took uh, actual gasoline and put it over the cardboard house that we made. No. <laughs> and filmed uh, the big bad guy catching it on fire. Dude, gasoline did you realize gasoline ignites pretty damn fast brother that was a that was a really high flame <laughs> oh i bet i bet it was 
uh, random story that has nothing to do with backyard wrestling. Um, I was trying to start a fire in the backyard, but uh, we were doing like a fire pit or whatever. And my bright idea was I was going to get the gasoline can um, because we had already started the fire a little bit. So the fire was somewhat going, but it was just about to go out or something. My bright ass idea was to go over and pour the gasoline on it no. while the fire was on. I didn't even, I was young, I was a kid, but I, it never even occurred to me that it travels so fast. But as I was pouring, the fire <laughs> came up towards the gasoline can and exploded. Fire is engulfed everywhere. I don't know how I wasn't burned. I walked away with not a scar on my body. But all my friends said was just your entire body was covered. Like the entire body was just flames that high in the air. They said they and don't know remind how. me. What were you doing with it? I was trying to get the flame to be bigger. Like I wanted the fire to be bigger. And so I was like, oh, let me put. Why was there a fire? Oh, we were just doing it was like a fire pit, you know, like just oh. some kids going around gathering around a fire pit. You know? So everybody's trying to have a chill time at the party. Yeah, we're just having a chill time, you know, maybe it's, maybe some marshmallows and, you know, just chilling by the fire camp stories. And I'm pouring gasoline on it. Everyone jumps out of their chairs and they said all they can see is just a giant ball of fire just surround my body. And they thought I was done. But I, I walked away with nothing. I mean, shocked. I threw the gasoline can. Oh, in the gasoline can, since I dropped the can, it started spilling on the grass, and all the grass caught on fire. We had to go grab the hose and put it out real fast. But uh, does, uh, does that was anybody, a bad night. Does, does anybody who was there still bring up that story to you? Oh yeah, yeah. That, I still ones. can't believe I, I just can't believe I was that stupid. Like I just it didn't occur to me that the fire would travel up as I was pouring. That's like, pretty thought, dumb, Mikey. It, it was. <laughs> it definitely was. And I could have. I could have died. Or something. At least got some burns, but I don't know no, how I did. No, it was uh, it was in the middle of uh, of my backyard wrestling days. I was sitting in the garage where we were having our backyard shows, and I picked up a staple gun. Uh, oh, staple guns! That's scary. I just want to kind of illustrate how dumb I am. You know, after kind of taking a couple shots at you, Mike, I picked up this staple gun, and I was holding it. And I was like, "Man, like, how does this staple gun work?" And I looked over at my friend. And I was like, "It doesn't really seem like." your hand should be this like uh, extended whenever you're holding this uh, staple gun. So I go ahead and shut it. Brother, I had it pointed straight at my face. No. And the oh, staple it... comes flying, bounces off the top of my cheek. Wait, this was this. What kind of staple gun was it? Was it like one of those electric ones or a regular one? It was a regular one, but it had a little bit of power to it. Damn. Yeah, I guess they have to because it has to fire into a piece of wood. So it would have to be powerful. It was maybe an inch from my eye. Oh, dude, that would have been awful. Can you imagine? Just, dude, we were just chilling. You almost blinded yourself. I'm playing. You weren't with even wrestling. Thing. No, you were just playing with it. <laughs> like, how's this thing work? Bow. Did it hurt? <laughs> it scared the shit out of me because I realized I was like, bro, I almost lost my eye. <laughs> oh, dude, that's I, yeah, that'll make you think twice for sure. Did you put that gun down right away? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never <laughs> used a staple gun since. <laughs> Even now, you don't own one. <laughs> no, nah, but dude, this reminds me. Things would get really serious with our backyard leagues. We had this guy on our roster uh, named Jay Atticus, and he was like real into like hip hop and stuff, and he thought he was thug and all that. Yeah, he was like a white guy like me or you, but he had pissed off this kid at our high school who was an amateur wrestler. A, like a real bad dude and this you'll have to forgive me i have no names for this but the amateur wrestler hears about our backyard league and he's like that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna show up at one of these things 
and just be real cool. This kid was psychotic. He was so cool with all of us, this amateur wrestler from the high school. And he's getting to know everybody. He's like, yeah, I love pro wrestling. And he asks to practice with uh, the guy I was just talking about, this Jay Atticus guy. Who's this? He pisses off all of us. He's he's just this asshole kid. But we, you know, we've never tried to legit fight him. But now there's this amateur wrestler who's gunning for him, and I don't know about it. You know what happens? Well, Jay Atticus, uh, he's like, yeah, man, I'll I'll you know spar with you or whatever the hell. And uh, the amateur wrestler shoot takes him down. Shoot puts him in an arm bar, snaps his arm in front of all of us. Actually, snaps it. His arm's dangling, brother. Oh, shit. And then he just cuts the shit. He's like, yeah, I fucked you up, didn't I? Didn't I say <laughs> I was going to do that? And Jesus, like, no remorse. I was like, Wait, who invited this kid? I didn't invite him. He's a savage. Snaps so he snaps arm. his arm and gets up and then acts like that. Gets up, walks off. What happened uh, to the kid with the arm who's now dangling? Is that hurt? We, yeah. we had to call his dad. His dad had to come and get him, take him to the hospital. I wonder if how how much that hurts. Does it? Does he in a lot of pain or? Oh, he he. The second that he broke his arm, he started screaming bloody murder. <laughs> Jeez. It looked inten- it looked intensely painful. Oh man, I can't even imagine. It just reminds me of I've seen like a lot of those uh, botchamania videos of people just snapping limbs and or was it? Oh, it wasn't Kevin Nash. It was Sid Sid, uh, Sid Vicious, wasn't it? That snapped his leg jumping off the top rope. A top rope. Big boot he tried to do. Dude, what an tried, idiot! His size doing that shit. Who? The, oh, his leg snapping. Oh, just thinking about it makes me cringe. It's just he so even awful. says in a shoot interview. He told the guy, "No, I don't want to do that." And they promised him it'll be fine. What's the worst? It'll thing be fine. Dude, that guy's way too big to be doing anything like that. Landing on one leg. No. Uh, yeah, but I yeah. never saw any like major. Uh, uh, injuries like that in the backyard other than this situation. Actually, real quick, I was on the top of the monkey bars fighting with this guy. Uh, and this Matt. was a match? Yeah. So which which one would this be? The guy off to the left there, his name was Matt Fearsome, and we would go to this elementary school uh, in the evening, and we would have our matches on the playground, and we were doing a back-and-forth punch spot on top uh you know we're elevated we're on top of these monkey bars and for some reason i shoved him uh after we got done throwing punches with with each other he ends up falling off the monkey bars and lands with his arm kind of tucked behind his back so he has the thud the initial landing happens his arms behind his back he stands up, looks at me, and just raises his arm. And he's like, my arm feels so funny. And the second that finished, he finishes that sentence, his arm just dangles in front of me. <laughs> no. I was like, that's oh so God. That's so fucked up. But we so spent you guys were ha- that was a match between you guys? Yeah, we were having a backyard wrestling match in Jeez. front of nobody. Just that's why him. they say don't try this at home. Yeah. Of shit like that right there. So what was his reaction to it? His arm just dangling in front of him. Shock, I would say. Shock. Yeah. But not pain? Um, it yeah, he yeah, no, no, it wasn't really a pain thing. He was more like a eyes wide, holy shit, <laughs> I need to get to the hospital. 
Oh, I bet. So his arm just like got popped out of place. Is that what happened? No, uh, it was his forearm. Oh no. Cause that was, you know, he landed with his arm tucked behind his back. It was his forearm that was broken oh. right in the center. Oh God. That's awful. Yeah. And uh, it left a gnarly scar. And I remember him having a lot of issues whenever it was cold outside after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's random. Just wonder what know, causes some that. Some healthy tidbits. If you ever break your arm, you're not going to have very good winners after that. Yeah, we never tried any backyard matches on the monkey bars. Uh, that's pretty pretty bold. Smart kid, man. Smart kid. So seeing as how we're in the final 30-minute stretch, I'll go ahead and uh, get the ending. We'll try to get some ending of the backyard days uh, stories out of the way. For my farewell show, so before the farewell show, the reason why we're having a farewell show is because I stopped going to high school and I started skipping school every day, going to another one of the backyarders house. I would just sleep in his house all day and then go home. Like I went to school. My mom thought I was going to school <laughs> and uh, she gets a phone call. And this is around the time that parents are starting to get in trouble for their kids not going to school. Do you remember whenever that started happening? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause parents, it was, like on them to be responsible for us showing up or whatever. Yeah. 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 I remember that time. Yeah. I yeah used man. To, it used to be much easier to get away with not, uh, not going to school. Yeah, you, man. Uh, you'll get, you'll get a ticket. And it was kind of around the time that that started. And my high school uh, presented to my mom, uh, presented to me a military school uh, for me to obtain my GED. Wait. So the high school recommended this. The high school recommended that. Wow. Okay. I didn't know it, high schools could recommend that. <laughs> well, my GPA was like a 0.0, like three, something like that. Cause I would go to health class. I really enjoyed health class. And why is that? What, what about health class really sucked you in? It wasn't a serious subject and the kids were kind of unruly in that class. I would literally walk to school at around 11 o'clock in the morning, take that class and then go home. <laughs> walk home afterwards and so tell me about the 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 gpa thing with the zero point whatever would you say 0 0.3 yeah or? like it was like a 0 0.03 i literally just went to health class okay so oh so this is because you just weren't showing up to classes that's no for no i hated reason. school i absolutely hated school and was there reasons did something happen uh i I didn't really have any friends at the school i was going to all of my friends were backyard wrestlers or interested in wrestling. And by the time high school came, I wasn't in touch. I didn't go to school with any of my backyard wrestling friends. So it really lost all my interest. And like what uh, grade would you say that that started where you lost interest? Well, I mean, um, I failed eighth grade. So I had to go to summer school that year. And then I failed summer school <laughs> because I, I wasn't, I wasn't I had, doing the work. I remember going to summer school uh, at least two or three three years in a row because I wasn't doing well in my classes. I wasn't applying. And it really wasn't because I wasn't good. I just you know really wasn't trying. I didn't give a crap. But so like with you, did you was it kind of similar situation? Did you just never not try not care? OK, yeah. um, was there ever a period where like you did really well in school, like middle school, elementary school? Maybe not ever. Maybe, Mike, not ever. maybe never. <laughs> maybe never. 
I wasn't sure if there was like a period or like, okay, well now I'm, I'm done with school. I wasn't sure if there was like a, a time where that started or not. No, I was always the class clown and I've always kind of had, um, I've always been the guy that likes to make people laugh. And that was totally me. There's nothing wrong with that though. Making people laugh. It's just, you, you put somebody in that structured environment. It's not going to work for everybody. I hated it. I hate it. Well, I couldn't wait for school to be over as well. I thought it was a waste of time for the most part. Hell, most of what they teach you, especially in high school, isn't even like preparing you for the real world. Like they don't teach you about taxes or, you know, how to balance a checkbook. Well, I guess it doesn't matter so much anymore because things are digital, but, but they don't teach you like any of the stuff you truly need to know to succeed in life, you know? Um, So would you say that uh, like looking back on that time on school, would you have done it differently or do you not care? Cause it's over. Oh. Like, how do you look on that? I think that I would have took more chances, more chances in high school. I think that I would have fucked around more. Um, I think that I would have did more social experiments, I guess. in uh, in, in high school, I like messing with people, you know, like I liked making people believe things that, you know, that weren't true, you know, which kind of, explains why i wanted to be a pro wrestler <laughs> yeah it doesn't make sense perfect no. profession i thought it was interesting getting a rise out of people you know i think i would have uh really tried to break out of my shell a little bit whenever i was in high school and kind of try to be more outgoing yeah so did you uh what what grade then was this that your school is recommending ninth grade i spent ninth three grade. years in ninth grade so that would have been freshman year then yeah. year after year would come and i just wouldn't go and I was, uh, whenever school was supposed to be happening, I was hanging out with my backyard friends. I was, you know, just now, did your mom know this at the time or she was not no. aware that you weren't at school? Okay. So she thought you were going to school and you were doing something else. Yeah. She didn't even know that I was in ninth grade for three years in a row. Oh, really? No. She, so she just she kept Would you fake report cards or like, how did you, how did you fake this? She kept zero tabs on me. Huh. And did she, does she regret that now or, mm, or did she? No. No. I've had some uh, conversations with my mom in my adult life about my childhood and, um, you know, and ask questions and stuff like that. Here's how I look at it. My mom did the very best she could. She had to raise three kids by herself and she was dealt some shitty cards along the way. She just, she did the best she could, but she kind of cut the cord off of me around the time that my dad died. I kind of started get I, I got to hang out with my friends all the time you know you definitely had a lot of leeway a lot of slack basically yeah 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 so uh what did your mom think of this idea the suggestion for military school oh she, she loved it she, it she right away that, well, yeah she knew that i wasn't going to graduate high school like my brother and thought that the next best thing is to go to a military school for your ged <laughs> and what did you think of this idea your first impression Right before all this happened, there was a backyard wrestling league in uh, Maryland. So I grew up in West Virginia, the state over in Maryland. I had gotten some connections to a different backyard league and they had bought a professional wrestling ring from highspots.com. And I'm still very much so backyard wrestling at this time. And now is my first opportunity to get into a professional wrestling ring and see what I can do. All right, so you got an opportunity like that you're chomping at the bit at to finally take wrestling more serious, get out of the backyard, maybe do some real training. And so that's what you have your your mindset on at this time. 
Bada bing, bada boom. And one of the guys who are wrestling in this league with the wrestling ring is a guy by the name of Crazy Shay, who I had paid a ticket to see at a different independent league. So you have a guy who's getting booked on independent leagues. Train like, and he was training us. He was teaching us how to hit the ropes. Teaching oh, so you had already ball. started this training. Wow. Ooh. Okay, cool. That was my first training in pro wrestling was in 2005 under Crazy Shay. You know, because he, if you're going to be a pro wrestler and make all these dates and stuff like that, if you are going to take that step back and go into the backyard with a only backyard wrestlers, I think that the only right thing to do is to to help these kids not hurt themselves. Yeah. Which is what he did. That's good. Yeah. Good that you had someone looking out like that. And he was so only a couple years older than us, too. So that's cool. So did uh, your mom know about this uh, training that you were getting into this or, or no? She did. Yeah, she she knew about it. Uh, we had to. It was me and another older friend of mine. I, I was 17 at the time and uh, I had a 18 year old friend who was a backyard wrestler and he'd take he'd take his dad's car and a car full of us would go up to these shows uh, every weekend. We taped uh, two shows in one day every time. So I'm wrestling in a ring and a, a match in a ring twice uh in one day weekend after weekend for about two months before i'm sent away uh did you ever talk to your mom um about this opportunity how you would rather do that instead uh was there ever discussions about this or it was really not in your control at all to to talk about to negotiate i immediately found peace with it the second really that, yeah the second that she said listen there's a military school Gears start running in my head, and I'm like, I and I was a mama's boy too. So if this is something that my mom thinks is gonna be good for me, I'm gonna go for it. You know, I'm super okay. against drugs, super against alcohol. That's good, that's positive. Yeah, and I'm just hanging out with my friends on the weekends and stuff, and I realize that that's that can't be my life forever, and I need to do so something. You, you start to see it as an opportunity then to maybe turn yeah. something around. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not gung-ho like, yes, send me today. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait, brother. But, I mean, because you are. You're taking somebody who has, since they've been six, seven years old, been watching this shit. Now they've been doing it for a little while. Now they're in a ring doing it. You're taking them away from this. So when you were starting to do this training, did you have an inkling that this is going to be it for you? That's what you want to pursue? There was no doubt in my mind. Yeah. But you knew that you were going to be taking this detour through military school. I had never felt closer with my friends at this point. I mean, we were like a family. I was staying the night with these people all the time. I was rarely ever home. So to be taken away from it, it was it was pretty damn tough, which led to the uh, my backyard name, by the way, was Trey Blaylock. Yeah. Going back to uh, where is it at? It came time. The dynasty. Boom. <laughs> For the Dynasty Trey Blaylock farewell show. Oh, damn. There was a farewell show. Farewell tour. We had one more hoorah. I wrestled my best friend, Matt Fearsome, on this show. And I remember all of the guys being like, they treated it like WrestleMania. That's cool. Like we, It was like an ultimate send-off, basically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I lived in like half of a house connected to another half of a house. What is that called? Du a duplex? Duplex, yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, we lived in one of those for years. 
And the guy who lived in the other house uh, in the other duplex was a kid who was two years younger than me named Cody. And he really looked up to me and my other friends, you know, we really guided him down the right path and everything. He didn't get into drugs and alcohol. He back here wrestled with us. We were all very against drugs and alcohol. Uh, so we, no, we never drank. That's pretty badass. That's usually yeah. against the norm, actually. Oh, or, a lot of kids in this area, they start their drinking at about 14, 15 or younger. And so for you, um, which I imagine we'll get into in a, a later episode when we actually talk about alcoholism, but do you want to briefly say why you were so against it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad was an alcoholic through and through, like hardcore. Mine as well, and man. I know. It's, it's tough. I never saw anything whenever I was, I, I'd never seen my dad drunk. Uh, he did a very good job of hiding that from me when I was a kid. But like I said earlier in the episode, my parents got a divorce when I was seven years old. So there's a lot of things I don't remember. But the reason why they got a divorce is because my dad's drinking was just getting too chaotic. And uh, it was to a point where we had to sever ties and all that. And yeah. I remember uh, visiting my dad in the hospital. He was on his deathbed. And my mom was kind of giving me that talk. Hey, this could be the last time you see your dad. So, wow. and I was eight years old and I saw him strapped up to all these machines. And I was like, damn. And my mom was very clear. She was like, Travis, this is from drinking. And I was like, I get it. I get it. Really? Wow. Like, this is very eye opening for a seven, like for an eight year old, you know, I get it. It's from drinking. Alcohol's bad. Got it. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. So. And we will touch on more stories and when we get into our episode about alcoholism and divorce. Later and this listen, season. I got a lot of offers to drink growing up, but I always had that pride in my heart. I knew I was going to be a wrestler one day, so I didn't want to fuck it up. That's good, man. Yeah, I didn't drink either uh, growing up. Not until I was like 21, actually. That's when I really started drinking. It was around the time I started as well. We're on the same path, it seems. At least in, in terms of that story from this farewell show that we had, Cody, the one who lived next to me, looked up to me and all my friends, he decided that this was going to be the night that he upped the ante and became like the rest of us. Because at, at, for a long time, he was the youngest guy on the roster, not really involved in too, too much serious stuff, just happy to be there. But he was like, fuck that. I'm just like them. I think he's he's like 14. And he's like, tonight I'm gigging. The first time you guys have never done that before. Uh, a couple of the other guys had at this point. I had tried once. I did not like Were it. Were you scared? And, and, and guys, this is an insider term. For anybody at home that doesn't know what gigging is, in the professional wrestling industry is whenever You're you take- to expose the business. You're exposing the business. Who who exposed it first? Me or Terry Funk? I don't remember. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. But uh, you take this blade and you hide it on you, or the ref might have it, and you take it, and uh, usually it's got tape on it or something like that. To, so it's not like a just a bl naked blade. A little bit of a sharp piece of the blade is out, and you drag it across your hairline to cut yourself open, and that is how you gig. Yeah. And it uh, makes the match more dramatic, right? Yes. And the four, this 14-year-old sweet young boy, not a care in the world, this God-loving, church-going boy, 
church going. <laughs> who, who, who just so happens to backyard wrestle on the weekends with his buddies decided he was going to gig one night. And it's in your match, right? Nah, he's wrestling another guy who was another one of my good friends growing up. Well, point of the story is it's now time for Cody to gig. He drags the blade across his forehead and goes from temple to temple. No, (laughs) this guy's so stupid. Wow. Deep. Oh, you can. Couldn't you kill yourself? Isn't there like an artery somewhere there? You can. And I don't know. Brother, this this kid Cody, God love him, fourteen years old, he's still never alive. Really, right? Yeah, never really experienced much in his life at all. Is now bleeding like a stuck pig in my backyard. Oh my God! And was it a was it a horror sight like a horror show? It was scary looking or what? They wrestled for like another minute or two, and then they took wow. it home. Jeez, kept going, man. Fourteen year so, old. Kid. So what was the um? You know, because they they gig and then someone will hit you with a steel chair or something. So what was the move that made him bleed that much? You know, that really escapes my memory. That's a good question. (laughs) I wonder what weapon or whatever would even cause that much of a gash in someone's head. Uh, The popular things for headshots at the time, uh, for us at least, was a stop sign. Because we actually had a legitimate stop sign that we had to take a screwdriver and get it off the fucking pole. I bet that's the only way you get a stop sign. So, they're yeah. huge too. Have you ever yeah, seen they them? are pretty big. Yeah, I have. Yeah, they're huge. They don't look that huge from far away, but in yeah. hand, they're pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> so it's probably something along those lines. I remember well, that. You have to go to the being... hospital then. Like what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Immediately. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. He's still alive to tell the tale, right? Subsequently, that was his last backyard match, and he never went pro. Wow. Did that scare him, or like what, or just he just happened to stop? From my memory, uh, he was proud of it. He was he he felt like he was one of the boys. Well, okay, well, that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the last backyard story I will tell before uh, we take it home is take it home, brother. Is the moment that I was attacked by a live pit bull. Oh damn! During, during a match? During a match. Whose pit bull was it? It was the owner of the yard. It was owner, Jay Atticus, the, the guy who got his arm broken. Oh, early. Jay Atticus, this guy again. He's back. Yeah, yeah. This is actually after that horror deal happened. So at this point, we're looking for a backyard. We're, we're doing backyard wrestling in a lot of different yards, girlfriends, houses, wherever we can. And this guy, Jay Atticus, who uh, had his arm broken just the year before by an amateur wrestler, is now offering his yard. And so we're like, okay, great. And we go there and it's a pretty pleasant experience. Nice, big, fenced in backyard. Perfect for backyard wrestling. But in the back of this yard is a very tall tree with a chain attached to it. And there is a pit bull that is attached to this tree. <laughs> and it was he was out there the whole time during the show, I guess. Yes. And they did not give two shits about this dog. He never came inside. He was called oh, seriously the tree. Yes. Oh, that's not cool. A very angry dog. This dog. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Being strapped outside all damn day and night. Hell yeah. I'd be angry too. Wouldn't you brother? I'm going to tell it to you like this. This was like the Mike Tyson of pit bulls. He was jacked. <laughs> he was jacked. All this Dude. dog did was just run back and forth all day, hoping somebody would pay attention to him. And nobody ever did. Did they feed him at least like they, 
brought out water or throw a couple uh kibbles and bits in a bowl and toss it at the damn dog and get back inside why do they even want it i mean this is a side story of course but why would they even want a dog is my question is my thought long story short this dog's life is dog shit and now old travi d travis do four is in your yard right in front of you oh damn now before i continue I will take full credit for what happened. You will realize what I'm going at here. There was a Frisbee in the yard. I walked over to it and I knowingly picked it up, looked at this pit bull dead in his face, wung it at him. Trying to hit him or trying to have him catch it. Which one? Brother, I didn't try to hit him. I hit this fucking dog right in his nose. Oh, you pissed this motherfucker off. He stands up. He looks at me, Mike. Well, I'll bet. I bet he's staring you dead in the eyes. He is now gunning it towards me. I am at a pretty safe distance from the dog. I know that I'm not in the circle that he's made there. You know, there's grass and there's dirt. I know where he's been. Okay. I'm not in the dirt. I'm in the grass. This pit bull snaps this motherfucking chain in half. Oh, he was coming out. He was coming for you. He didn't care. He is gunning it towards me. First, he grabs a hold of my ankle. I fall to the ground. Did you have time to panic? Like this was running. This was probably the situ a situation that uh, happened. It, it's probably the the thing that's happened the fastest in my life. It, it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So fast. So didn't even have time to react. Basically. Got me by the ankle. I'm I, I got wow. dirt in my face. I'm I'm pushing myself back up. I'm trying to get back on my feet. Now, as I'm doing a push-up, I'm starting to rise. This dog has now let go of my ankle, has me by the arm. No. Pulls he's trying me, to kill you. He's going for it, man. Pulls me back down on the ground. Now hit what he wants is now in his vision. It's in his line of sight. He lets go of my arm and grabs a hold of my neck. Oh. Oh man. He is fully lockjawed on my neck. Dude, no. Like piercing the piercing skin? Locked. He's in. He's pierced. He's in. Oh man. I can't even imagine. The owner of the dog, Jay Atticus, is standing off to the side in horror, watching this all go down. Watching you basically get murdered by his pit bull. But he has decided this is his time to step in. So, so he goes and grabs a baseball bat because he knows his dog. This dog is jacked. It's got his friend by the neck. Jacked. The Mike Tyson of dogs. And now just listener discretion has been advised at the beginning of this episode, but here goes. He is now beating the dog with the baseball bat. I mean, he kind of had to though. The dog is not letting go. Dude, this guy, this dog's crazy. He gets about, he, he hits him kind of fast two times, but after he realizes the dog's not going to let go, he really puts everything into his next about three shots, three more baseball bat shots before this dog finally lets go. Jesus. And as graphic as it sounds, I take full responsibility. This is my fucking fault. This should not have happened to this dog. This should not have happened to this dog. 
I want to say it twice. He continued to hit the dog after it let go. He hit it until it died. I mean, I don't know about you, but like if he was about he, the dog was literally about to kill you. I mean, no joke. So it's it's he kind of sounds like your friend really had no choice but to put the dog down because he was yeah. a, at this point a problem. Like that was easily the most violent thing he ever saw the dog do. <laughs> so he the dog died that day, right then and there, right? Yep, dog dies. Um, I get away from the dog. I run away from the backyard out. And now I'm out in the street. And the owner of the dog, Jay Atticus, a couple seconds go by because he's taking care of the dog. He comes out in front of his house and I'm face to face with him. And Jay Atticus is like, turn around so I can see the damage. I turn around and then I turn around again and I look at his face. His face goes fully white. He feels like he's seen a ghost. Oh, dude, is it bad? He can't believe there's just there's blood dumping out of my neck. Oh, fuck. So at this point, me and my best friend, Matt Fearsome, who we saw in the graphic earlier, we walk from this house all the way to my house, about four blocks. Just walking on the sidewalk, dude. Blood leaking. Blood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like you and you are you're completely alert and talking and uh, we make it to my mom's house, you know, where in where pain. We were. Do you remember pain? No, no, really. I wonder if your body was in such shock that the adrenaline was really taking control. We get uh, to my mom's house. I walk in, I walk into the living room. I'm like, uh, mom, we need to go to the hospital. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's watching her stories. She's like, what the fuck is he bothering me for? She's like, what? What'd you say? I was like, mom, we days of our lives is on. Yeah, General Hospital. I'm like, Mom, we need we need to go to the hospital, like now. And she just looks up, boom. I've never seen my mom get up faster. Uh, long story short, the worst part of that whole thing, I, I didn't cry the whole time. The second wow. that they pulled out the needle at the hospital to numb my neck, Ooh, tears. Yeah. Oh, I bet, dude. I, I, I hate, hate needles. needles. I hate small needles, let alone a giant one. Like my, my fiance will, will back me up that even if like I go in for a flu shot or like anything, I'll freak out. I hate it, but I can't imagine you're getting uh they numb you or whatever. Yes. It was the numbing needle. And that is to this day, the worst pain I've ever felt was the, the needle, numbing the needle. needle. Mm-hmm. Wow. It felt like somebody was just tra- taking a knife and stabbing me with it. So you needed a bunch of stitches then, right? I did. Yep. Got it all, got it all closed up. And uh, yeah, so I was attacked by a pit bull. Um, that dog we, did not go down without a fight, though. No. I wanted to make sure I told that pit bull story. And we are going to be wrapping up here. Episode one from the backyard. Uh, f- uh, fandom to the backyard, I believe. <laughs> yeah, because we're actually getting we're getting into your military stuff. And this is actually you and uh, your military photo right here for military school. But we're getting getting we're going to get into your actual time at military school. The next episode, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but there you are. You don't look too happy. <laughs> Do not look too happy to be there. I, I before that picture was taken, um, I was literally I had a drill sergeant get nose to nose with me and scream in my face. I don't remember what the fuck I did to deserve that, but I was not very happy then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that and hear hear more uh, stories about that, and of course how you got into wrestling and everything next episode. But yeah, that's crazy how your backyard. So that was actually your last backyard wrestling match was when you got attacked by the pit bull. 
No, that wasn't, you know, uh, there was still something after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. but still like one of your last or whatever, that's, that's a crazy, crazy, crazy. Story. Oh, uh, the scariest thing about the whole thing is that the, the doctor did say, he said that if the dog's teeth would have sank just a little bit further, I would have been paralyzed from the neck down. But if it would have, the neck is a very vulnerable area. If his teeth would have completely like met each other and cl like clamp clamped, uh, it would have killed me instantly. He was like, you would have just seen Jesus. He was, you would have been out. You so you were literally this close to dying. Yeah. Like, yep. Super close. That's why. Now, do I dogs would... scare you now or are you, how are you with dogs now? For the longest time after this, very uh, strong fear around dogs. Um, All but... or just pit bulls specifically? Pitbulls specifically, uh, any kind of big dog though, I would never trust, but I made friends with somebody a number of years ago now, and she had three pit bulls and they were total babies, sweethearts. And I, you know, I realized that it is how you train them, how they are raised. Yeah. Yeah. That, there's definitely friendly pit bulls, but that one didn't sound like it was treated uh, all that well. So that's crazy, man. Crazy, crazy story. Season one. Well, at least you're here. You're here, though, brother. At least you're you're allowed no, to yeah. tell the story. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like um in season one of the Travis Dufour show, we're gonna hear a couple times about how I've almost died, and these situations have really shaped me to be the guy I am, Mikey. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. We all we all go through different things, and it makes us who we are today, for better or for worse. Want to thank you so much. Be sure to follow all of the social media uh, sites, which is at the do for brand. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you name it. And that will uh, we're going to put a nice little bow on episode one. Do you have any closing statements, Mike? I mean, I just want to say it's been fun. Uh, had a few hiccups in the beginning, but it was it was a lot of fun getting to hear your story about, you know, you becoming a fan, hearing about your dad and and the cool little story about how he you know, supported you becoming a wrestler. So, I mean, I just thought that was pretty badass with him showing his support. And then all your stories about backyard wrestling. It was just a, it was just a fun little journey you took us on, and I'm looking forward to what the rest of the season uh, holds for us. And I just appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a good time. Hell yeah. Couldn't think of a better co-host. The next episode will feature uh, the beginning of my wrestling career to the end, or not the end, where we're at currently. So yeah. that's something to look forward to. Because <laughs> you haven't hit the end yet. You're not retired just yet. Not the end, brother. I mean, uh, I'm entering year 16. And I still I still got a little bit left in the tank. That's good. All right. Thank you.